Ventures and Adventures in Topography. Essentially, topography is really nothing more than the detailed study of place, an area or region or town, etc. A show that takes the listener on a wayward topographical ramble around the margins of London. The walker at the edges of the city, the, the, the liminal figure who is not so conceptual in his practice. Drawing on a rich tradition of old walking guides, maps, literature and ephemera, Nick Papadimitriou and John Rogers embark on a series of suburban perambulations and outer circle rambles. I like those um, pre-moulded uh, concrete pails that run along the river here. With the, with the mosses and uh, lichens growing on them. For me, such things are psychedelic. Hello and welcome to Adventures and Adventures in Topography on Resonance 104.4 FM with me, John Rogers, and my co-host, blinking and leering at me from across the studio, Nick Papadimitrio. Hi, John. How you doing, Nick? Uh, this week, we'll be following our noses out along what I've called the Basil Jet Express, or you could call it the Southern Outfall Sewer, uh, from Plumstead to Cross Ness. This was a, a location and consequent walk chosen by my co-host, Nick Papadimitrio. Nick, would you care to explain both to me again and the listeners, why we're heading out to Cross Ness. Well, John, it might sound a bit unusual, but I'm deeply drawn towards uh, sewage farms and towards uh, trunk sewers, major engineering works that cut across the landscape but are ignored or just totally unnoticed. As you know, I'm a bit of an enthusiast for the West Middlesex Main Drainage Scheme, which has its terminus at... uh, Perry Oaks. Oh, it used to have its terminus at Perry Oaks, but that's now Terminal 5, Heathrow Airport. And where is the major mecca on that route? Not that we want to go into that, but just, I suppose, to create a bit of an analogue to where we're going on the walk today. Mogden Purification Works in Isleworth. So, the southern outfall sewer... Where does it run? I mean, I'm asking you the question. I suppose I do sort of know the answer, don't I? But in this show, we'll be following it from Plumstead to Crossness. Now, uh, when you first mentioned it, I didn't have a clue where Crossness was. And you can spell Crossness either cross, space, capital N, Ness, or Crossness as one word, which is a bit confusing. But it doesn't crop up, does it, in in many uh, of the usual references to London. If you go to a lot of books about London, you won't find Crossness I'm sure there'll be probably a lot of people listening who've never heard of Crossness. So, uh, Nick, do you want to give your little insight into what and where Crossness is as a geographical reference point rather than it just being the sort of sewage works? Or have I confounded you with that? You're looking blankly at me. Well, it's on the uh, south bank of the Thames, uh, east of Plumstead, and roughly opposite the terminus of the the north... um, northern outfall sewer and in fact both the northern and southern outfall so- sewers were built by Basel Jet, that favourite of uh, psychogeographers um, and that's it really I don't know what else to say the river curves just there uh, there are sequences of Nesses aren't there which I found interesting I was sort of quite I was quite enamoured by the thing that we didn't really see because we didn't see I mean a Ness is a promontory or a headland uh, usually jutting out into a water, in this case jutting out into the Thames. But before you get to Cross Ness, there's Crayford Ness, 
There's another place which you'll be interested here called Jennings Tree Point, which I suppose you could call Jennings Tree Ness, and that's got a lighthouse there at Jennings Tree Point, which is very close to where we were in reality. It was the other side of the Belvedere Power Station. And then going, you've got Cross Ness, then going past Cross Ness, you've got another one called uh, Tripcock Ness. Ah, yes, I remember Tripcock Ness. I think I've actually been there. Have you? What, what is there? What's a Tripcock Ness? Uh, flat alluvial plain, uh, water breaks, uh, mixomatoxic rabbits, the usual stuff you find by the Thames. Incidentally, just by Cross Ness were the two highest uh, electricity pylons in Britain, 482 feet high, one on the north bank, one on the south bank. I found a reference to it in an Odom's press book of British engineering from the 1940s. I wanted to check when we were there last time whether the uh, pylons were still up, but for some reason it slipped my mind and I don't recall seeing any high pylons. But that's an additional um, focal power energy uh, nexus in the area. Yeah, and what, what's, what, the, the interesting thing for me is, in summary, I think Cross Ness, and more, more specifically Cross Ness um, sewage treatment works, with its sister over at Barking, at the, at the Northern Outfall, they're probably two of the most important places in the story of London, because if it weren't for the building of the sewage works, of which this, these are the two most important sort of nodes, really, aren't they, in the London sewage work in terms of processing that. We might not, who knows what kind of shape the city would be in, because at the point that Basil Jett started building his sewers, 1858, this, the year of the Great Stink, when so much effluent was being poured into the river, London had a population of 3 million, and there were about apparently 182 different kind of streams and various sewers that were dumping into the Thames pun intended uh and the, apparently the smell was so bad the thames had gone completely brown people were still taking their drinking water and their household water from the thames and there's this lovely anecdote about that the houses of parliament where they had the, the windows that faced the river had to be uh, covered with sheets draped uh, soaked in chlorine to try and purify the air and 1858 was a particularly long hot summer leading to you know and, and there was an outbreak of cholera famously and uh, Basil Jett came up with the idea of, of creating these uh, brick sewers that had these two main terminus points. Mm. Um, I think what we should do now is, is, is have a reading from a book which has uh, provided fantastic background to us for, the, for, for our journey to Crossness from Plumstead. It's a book called The, uh, the Lure and Law of London's River. It's by A.G. Linney. And the reading as ever, reliably and quite beautifully, will be by Hayley LePayne with music by Europa 51. I'm going to play that for you right now. Behind the barriers at Crossness. The southern outfall estate lies somewhat east of Crossness Point, just beyond the boundary of the Royal Arsenal grounds. From the river, all you see is a large jetty backed by numerous buildings and a tall chimney. From the land side, it is not easy of approach, for one has to face a long walk from Abbey Wood Station along the fringe of Erith Marsh. This road passes by several small works and market gardens, as well as a curious caravan settlement where families dwell in all sorts of odd wheeled vehicles. Within the boundaries of this outfall estate dwells an isolated community of approximately 50 officers, workmen and their families. Non-resident workers number perhaps another 150, 
so that there are about a couple of hundred people who live and move and have their being round and about the southern outfall. There are 33 dwelling houses on the estate and I was struck by the presence at many of them of some sort of wireless aerial, evidence of the linking up benefits of wireless to a community such as this. Gardening is the outdoor hobby which gives recreation to many of the work people and when I went over the estate there was a pleasant show of autumn flowers to please the eye and the growing of vegetables also seemed popular. In the centre of the estate is a large sports ground well covered with turf, though, in a sense only, this pitch covers a multitude of sins, inasmuch as below it are the deep-cut channels through which the sewerage flows. But you would never guess this from anything visible to sight or to the sense of smell. I find it difficult to compress into a few non-technical sentences in addition to what was set down earlier precisely the nature of what is done at the Southern Outfall. From The Lure and Law of London's River by A.G. Linney So that was a reading by Hayley LePayne and a lovely bit of music there by Europa 51. That track is called New Shapes and I think you can, uh, they've got some music on uh, SoundCloud that you can download. Um... Wonderful book. Nick, what would you like to say about this book? It's, you discovered it in our favourite bookshop. Should we give the name? Because we don't want, do we want other people to go there and buy the books that we... Mm, decisions, decisions. Yeah, we will, because he's a lovely fellow. Walden Books in Camden Town. Although I actually bought my copy at the 2J's bookshop in Edgware, which is also an excellent second-hand bookshop. There you go. That's the end of us plugging second. And also, these people, you know, lovely shorts that they are, they won't give us any discounts for doing that. They probably won't even listen to the show. Uh, they won't really care a great deal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Walden Books, wow. He, he really did score a massive collection of London books, which you and I have plundered. Indeed. Um, this book is from, we don't know when it's from, but what's startling about this is the vision of the river in the early part of the 20th century. Now, I think, you know, people that are interested in London kind of talk about the river and the change in the river quite a lot, but it's something else to see it, isn't it? Because there's another book that I referenced for this walk called The Skirts of the Great City by Mrs. Arthur Bell. Oh, I don't know that book, John. Tell me a little bit about it. <laughs> oh, he's such a wag. Um, you don't you know. going to say something else yeah, then. You don't know it. I suppose you don't. You, you, you haven't read it. Uh, also, purchased from Walden Books. Um... It's a great book. Well, you know, it's it's an odd book that, uh, in the way that it deals with London as a as a as a whole, because the section on Plumstead, is, which is an area I knew nothing about. This was why this walk was was, was a great experience for me because I'd never been to Plumstead before. I didn't know how to get there. Oh, it turns out, did you know how to get there? Uh, as we took a very circuitous route. I think we're guilty of being a bit uh, centred around North London. Was it our a first bit. South London walk? I, I think you it said was. we weren't going to point that out. Well, you there said, you go. Don't tell them that. It is. Out of nine shows, it's the first time we've been south of the river. We are really sorry, and we are now going to go back as often as we can. But, uh, yeah, she has Plumstead in the same chapter as Barking and uh, Haynol, uh, which will explain uh, something that I say in the field recording coming up, possibly, which is erroneous. I think I got away with it on the day. Do you want to say anything more about the walk, Nick, before we go to the field recording? Because you chose this walk. Yeah, basically the uh, main trunk sewer that runs from Plumstead through to Crossness. It's about a mile and three-fifths long. 
and is uh, mounted on a huge earth in, or beneath a huge earth embankment that runs in a fairly straight line with a walkway along the top that is now a, a public right of way. So you're basically walk, walking across a very flat area of land, marshland or former marshland, on an embankment, what, about 15, 20 feet high? Yes. And it provides mm. surprising views of the landscape thereabouts. Uh, sort of semi-industrial, uh, utilitarian landscape with bits of tussocky wasteland and a fine view of um, Belmarsh Prison at one point uh, en route. Yeah, which is spooky. Uh, I did cut this out of the field recording, I think, actually, So, uh, because it was a bit boring, actually. I mean, it's, not, it's just the way we talk about it at the, at the time, but... Belmarsh Prison, it's on an industrial estate and it doesn't stick out from the rest of the industrial estate, does it? It's from the, the view you get from the outfall sewer. It just blends into the warehouses and factories there, which I found more frightening than when you go past Pentonville Prison, which it clearly you know, fits the, the kind of schema of a prison. Well, I, I have a, a certain fondness for those old uh, Victorian panopticon prisons. Uh, I find modern prisons quite terrifying. Odd things to have a fondness for. They, they I have a fondness for panopticon prisons. What, they, they have an ostensive humanitarianism about them that uh, seems to hide uh, sinister things, or at least with the gothic and dark Victorian prisons, you know what you're taking on. Yeah, that's true, actually. It's very, very true indeed. Well, I think we'll go out on this walk along... What I would call like they're like London's Nazca lines, these out walks along the outfall sewers, romantically called in this case the Ridgeway Walk, echoing the Great Ridgeway Walk that runs through uh, the countryside. So here we are. We went out before, just before Christmas. We ventured out into the landscape, down to the the darkness of uh, Plumstead. It wasn't dark in Plumstead. Well, it was dark because it was winter, but uh, it wasn't dark because Plumstead's an unwelcoming place. In fact, it's very, very well. You ad-libbing, John. Massively, whilst I find the audio <laughs> file. <laughs> I've got all these documents open on my laptop. I thought I'd be really, I thought I'd be really ethical and not print everything, partly as well because the printer upstairs didn't work. So I've got all my sort of notes that I'm not using open and I can't find the most important thing, which is this field recording. So here we are, heading out from Plumstead to Cross Ness. Oh, hello, you. So we're in um, completely the wrong part of London. <laughs> so we've just come out of um, Plumstead Station finally, and we've been sitting here admiring the, the, the wonderful Plumstead Radical Club. And the castellated roofs of the buildings opposite. Mm. So what observations can we make about the landscape, Nick, straight away out here? Well, we're on. We seem to be on a kind of bit of high land, uh, just adjacent to the old Plumstead Marshes. Uh, I haven't had a look at the view north northwest from here yet, but apparently you can see northeastwards towards Hainault. Really? Yeah. Cool. Oh, no, of course, yeah, because this were, I think would have been part of the forest of Hainault at one point. With the Thames cutting through the middle of it. The forest, well, the, no, the lands of the Forest of Hainot that was part of a, one estate, I think, did come over the river. I stand corrected. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think the forest grew down here because it was marshes, wasn't it? Uh, it was marshes until the mid late nineteenth century, mm. and in fact, uh, my old maps from nineteen fifty two and the early sixties show the land as being very open. But now you've got Thames Mead and uh, and um, what's the prison called? Belmarsh. Belmarsh. Belmarsh Prison. The Belmarsh. The Belmarsh. Well, let's head to the marshes. Huh? Let's go.
I tell you what, it's fairly bleak out here, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's fairly. This bleak. is all the old marshes. This this was empty at so. I mean, my map uh, from my Bartholomew's. Empty from a uh, sorry, camera. My Bartholomew's map of Lon um, Atlas of London from 1952 shows this land here as being completely empty. But I would say a lot of these uh, industrial plants must have been around at about that time. Yeah. Mind you, maybe they look a bit 80s. Those buildings over there. So maybe it has all been built up since then. This is obviously what it all used to be like, yeah. at least at some point. Sort of scrubby marshland. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously because everything's uh, dying off at this time of year, or a lot of it is. It's, it's very kind of uh, bleak looking and very dark looking. There's no secondary woodland there apart from sort of clusters of shrubbery, mainly um, buddleia. But some lovely great marsh grasses standing up there in the middle there. Look, big clusters of lovely marsh grasses. Sort of almost look like ornamental grasses that people have in their front gardens in, you know, Highgate. And along the banks of the walk here as well. Well, this has been called Little Highgate, this area here. <laughs> no, it hasn't actually. I'm right. say probably not by anybody that's uh, ever seen Highgate. I'd say it's rather nicer than Highgate myself. There's Bostall Woods looming. That's Bostall Woods looming up there, and the, this is a big ridge of land, isn't it? Yep, yep. That could be another walk we do, I think. I would say so. We have to do Lesnar's Abbey at some point. Okay, this is a. It's being cleared for something, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder if it would be residential. It's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? It is. There's this big stainless steel thing in front of us. It's a big stainless steel, like massive square block with matching cylinders next to it, rising out of the marshes here. This is a great landscape here, Nick, yeah, isn't it? Fantastic. Isn't it incredible? This is, oh, look, there's a um, kestrel. Oh, wow. So, Nick, you're, you're saying something about how you feel out here. Yeah, it's almost got the feel of uh, the landscapes that drew me to walking in the mid-80s when I first started consciously uh, going out on long jaunts on my own, stealing a march over the Camden cafes. Um, my friends would sort of come back and say they'd seen some band in a club or something. And I'd been out on the Southern Outfall tour and I felt as if I'd gone into outer space or something. And um, landscapes seem to be disappearing, what with the... Um, use of brownfield sites for um, housing projects and um, actually something that has happened here to some extent which is that it has been claimed as a kind of reservation area it's it's called the greenway walk but let's not be too sort of sniffy about this at least it helps preserve it and um, keeps it in the public eye um, perhaps it's better that the public have access to places like this and that they're sealed off from them well, this one, yeah, this one they call the Ridgeway, don't they? It's a sort of echo, I suppose. What did I say? The Greenway? The Greenway I apologise. Well, the so. Greenway is the one that goes along the Northern Outfall Sewer. Oh, sorry, I thought we were on the Northern Outfall Sewer. Oh. Some length, isn't it? It is, isn't it? What's great is you, walk, you are walking along this raised ridge of land that gives you an amazing view. Because all the land either side of it is fairly low-lying and flat. Well, it's marsh, isn't it? Yeah, or was. And probably still is somewhere deep in its heart. What a great day that was, Nick. I thank you for taking me out to show me Plumstead and Erith Marshes. I suppose did we see Erith Marshes?
Sorry, were you asking me a question? <laughs> <laughs> You're, we're on air. Um, what was fascinating about that, and I suppose we didn't cover it in any of the field recordings, and we didn't even talk about it, you know, Nick, was that whole site where we were, the Plumstead Marshes and, uh, and I suppose, to a degree, Irith Marshes, was all part of the Royal Arsenal. At one point, yes. And, it was a uh, massive site, was it? It was sort of 270-odd acres, because the Crossness uh, Sewage Colony, as I think it was called, is 37 acres. So it was a tiny fraction. And that looks vast. When you go out there, it looks vast. But it was a tiny fraction of what was once the, the Royal Ordnance. I think it was chopped off some time ago uh, from the Royal Ordnance, but I do remember uh, visiting the Royal Ordnance in Woolwich in the mid-1990s and finding a huge swathe of wasteland along the southern bank of the Thames to the east of the Woolwich Arsenal, huge concrete firing uh, stations with vast leather uh, fire blankets and and bits of narrow-gauge railway rotting down into the uh, soil. I believe it's a vast... um, a contemporary housing project now. Uh, so that must be the bit that I managed to catch before it was chopped off. And as you say, this area, even further east towards Crossness, was taken out of the jurisdiction of the Royal Ordnance uh, considerably earlier. You can imagine that the wastelands were good for uh, uh, gunnery exercises, uh, firing shells over fairly long areas without anyone getting in the way and having their head blown off. Yeah. Absolutely. And Ian Sinclair mentions that he has a vision of it in Down River. Uh, his vision of his war rockets fired over Plumstead Marshes, the feeble and transient shock of magnesium flares. Ooh. Well, we did go past Thamesmead Estate. And I bring that up with a sort of slight note of caution in my voice because we had a sort of long debate over the various merits of uh, what it would be like to live there on Thamesmead Estate. It was quite interesting before we came on air we were debating this because there is uh, it's not entirely clear in the next field recording which I'm about to play that it is Thamesmead that we're talking about so uh, th- hence the need for a little bit of an introduction but we approached Thamesmead Estate and there's a massive all I saw was this massive lake there and apparently the water was introduced into Thamesmead as a means of um, reducing crime that was part of the kind of the modernist project was that they would bring water and canals lakes into council estates because they'd on previous modernist housing projects they'd found a, a, a radical rise in crime so I thought, oh you know what we'll do is we'll build some lakes and uh, somebody in the studio here was telling me that they used to go sailing there and that lake at Thamesmead was full of stolen cars <laughs> you could literally walk across the lake from the roofs of these stolen cars what were your observations on Thamesmead, Nick? What, what did you What do you feel about that? I thought it was a really interesting landscape, and uh, I I live on a uh, council estate in Barnet, and I do think people have certain prejudices about council estates. Uh, when my friends uh, drop me off sometimes from Hampstead and park their cars and come in for a cup of tea, they really worry that their car's going to be burnt out. Most of the people who live on my estate are. Very friendly and hard-working people. Cars just get stolen, don't they? They don't get burnt out. They Crime. return them when they finished using them for... Crime is everywhere, not just on, on uh, council estates. I, I thought Thamesmead uh, was very handsome hmm. landscape. Maybe someone is listening to this programme right now who lives on Thamesmead and is laughing their head off. But I thought it was very handsome and human-scaled landscape, actually. And, and, and the water really created a sense of waterfront and of Esplanade, it was it was it was it was very fresh. The air was invigorating. The gulls wheeled above, the fish lapped up against the side of the water, and there were people uh, jet skiing and the rest of it, as we saw. 
I can't promise you the fish. I can promise you the goals in the next field recording, which we will play out with because we've, again, we've waffled too much. We've run out of time. So we're going to take you back out onto the Southern Outfall Sewer. Luckily for us, there was no need for maps or compasses. It's just a straight walk to the sewage colony at the terminus. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much to Hayden LePayne and Europa 51 and Resonance FM. And we're going back out onto the Southern Outfall Sewer right now as we approach Thamesmead Estate and the Sewage Colony. So we're, we are actually heading towards the sewage works, aren't This we? is heading directly towards the sewage works, probably about three or four-fifths of a mile up ahead. We're approached Crossness Sewage Works. Wow, so we're, we're less than a mile away. It's not actually a very long walk, this, is it? No, but we can tack a bit on the end if you want. Oh, no, I'm not. We've, I'm got, not. we've got to kind of turn right and go up towards Abbey Wood anyway. What's interesting is we tacked an hour on the beginning trying to get here from... Uh, London Bridge. Ah, the topographers really shown yeah. that morning, didn't we? We were thrown by mechanised transport, weren't we? we, we, we yeah, really we're footmen, we're footmen. Yeah. That's our excuse anyway. Give us a timetable and we're completely lost. We don't use technology, do we? No, we can read the landscape, but a dot matrix display with train times completely throws us. So what's that? Can we go and have a look at that, Nick? Yeah, sure. I've sat there and had a fag. In fact, I might sit down and have a fag again. It's amazing. Some kind of sports club or community club here. Just get a view of it from here. That's incredible. That, that looks a bit like um, looks a bit like the Barbican or something. About the same time, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure it's not a bad place to live. You know, I think about places like this, that each of them needs their topographer who kind of like becomes a sort of focus for the estate memories, yeah. uh, a recorder of the dynastic shifts and comings and goings, um, the changes in the environment as they impinge, you know, a lawn gets converted into a youth club or a youth club gets converted into a lawn, um, bollards get removed or just get cracked and fall apart, etc. And I think... You know, each place can have its own kind of inward-pointing identity. I don't mean in terms of being isolationist, but in terms of weighing the full measure and presence of the place and giving it its due, because I think it's very, very easy to walk past these places and sneer. We're approaching Terminus, where everything ends, where everybody who sat down today on the... Um, on the porcelain portal ends at this place up ahead at Crossness, at Crossness Point. That would be everyone who's in a toilet between here and uh, Richmond, is it, or somewhere? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I have to study the configurations of the land and the watersheds in order to work that one out. It's great though, because you can see the lights on the top of the sewage treatment work. There's large gantries, and there's also one of those um, windmill type electricity generators. You can actually see the Southern Outfall Sewer from very close to Jack Straw's Castle in Hampstead. Really? If you go down to where the burnt wynn is, where the, um, where the bench is, and um, smoke a cigarette and get your binoculars out and you know where to look, you can actually see Belmarsh Prison, you can see this curly swirly building up ahead. Look, we're waving at you now. And you can also see uh, sections of the Southern Outfall Sewer. What would you see though, Nick? This part, you couldn't see You'd this part. You'd sort of see a kind you? of grey line that sort of runs in a dead right. straight line over quite a long period, over quite a long 
uh, range of your um, ambient ambient visual array. This is some of the most open land you'll see in urban London, I think, isn't it? I think it's the last outpost of Rus in yeah. Herb or <laughs> Urban Rus. Yes, I think you're quite right now. Now we're just walking underneath another main road and we can see the main plant of the sewage farm up ahead. My photograph from um, the 1890s shows an ornate brick building with a, a rather lovely chimney, but this looks like a sort of utility 50s block. There's a bit of parkland there, I wonder if you can get through into that. No. No, this whole area will now be sealed off as part of the sewage farm. So where do we go? We go back a little bit and along the road, but I don't know where we'll ask one of the workmen. It's interesting, in my book, I think it's The Skirts of the City, written in I think, 1908, the author there talks about how this was a self-sustaining community out here. Oh, it says exactly the same in my book on Thames Law. Yeah. Does, he does, um, your, does your author, Mrs Bell, mention um, the sports ground? Um, I can't remember. We'll have a check, actually. There's a go. sports ground somewhere over there. Obviously, you can't access it. It was for the community. But underneath, the cha deep underneath the sports ground, are channels where the sewage is pumped. In that, London, in that Thames Law book, there's some beautiful descriptions of the workings right. of the sewage farm at that time because he was given access by the chief engineer of the London County Council. That's an odd idea, isn't it? It's an isolated sewage community. But I think it's good. I think communities should operate like that. Well, this, so is, this is it. So this, this is where is the main gets pumped into the sewage station and gets turned into whatever it's turned into. It used to be the waste sludge after the effluent, the water, after the sludge settled, the water, the effluent was pumped back into the Thames clean and the waste sludge was taken by barge to a place called Black Deep. Where's that? Uh, somewhere out on the Thames Estuary. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine you sit down on the porcelain throne and a part of you for 36 hours is in black deep black out in deep. the Thames Estuary. Wow. That shows sort of strings of connection between ourselves and the environment that don't readily occur to us. No, not at all. We, we don't think of places like this when we're going about our normal metropolitan existence. No. We? No. Even when we're sitting in the Resonance FM studio, apart from obviously in this episode. Well, this is part of the machinery of the city that's kept yeah. out of sight. I think people should be brought out here in bus trips to look at it. I think they should be brought out here and, and, and uh, be forced to pray. It's <laughs> a kind of God. Yeah. No, the, gate, the gate is open. I also see it as... Oh, look, there's a fox. There's a fox. I also see it as a type, sort of like an aspect of, of uh, London's limbic nervous system. Wow. You have to... Sorry, you're going to have to put some flesh on those nerves. I'm just not prepared to do that at this juncture. <laughs> Wait till you read my book. <laughs> it's going to be your get out from now on. 